Hey everybody, this is Ray Patel, and this is episode 70 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everyone's having a great week out there. Welcome to summer, and uh, really excited about this week's episode. Uh, our guest this week is Mel Gore, and that name should sound familiar because even though he hasn't done a movie on the podcast before, he's been on the podcast before. He was part of the panel for our Oscar prediction episode, uh, and we joked on that about how uh, the other members of the panel had both been on the podcast twice, and Mel hadn't been on it a single time yet. But that was partially my fault for just delaying uh, uh, getting his episode recorded. One of the things we talk about is in this episode is how long this has kind of been in the planning stage. Um, he picked G.I. Joe the movie, which was a direct-to-video movie, but we're going to give it a pass because it fit the show so well. Uh, and he picked that specifically when I did the Transformers the movie episode uh, a few months ago. He contacted me that same week saying, I want to do G.I. Joe the movie. And I, I said, fine, okay, let's let's go with it. And one of the things I really like about this episode is I've talked in these intros before about the, uh, the toxicity of nostalgia. And I don't feel like that comes into play in this episode, that instead of looking at this movie through a nostalgic lens, although we both have nostalgia for the topic of G.I. Joe, and especially Mel, who has a, a long relationship with this movie, I feel like we really just talk about it in the context of how this movie is today. And I think that's an important discussion. He certainly changes my mind on a few things over the course of our conversations. I hope you really enjoy our conversation about this. Let's get straight into it. From 1987, G.I. Joe, the movie. The It's uh, Warrior, Joel Edgerton, and... Yes, uh, and uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with, with a great performance by Nick Nolte in there, uh, too. Uh, yeah. So that'll a- that'll be the next episode that airs, and then it'll be this one. But, uh, yes. I mean, I've been sitting on it for almost two months now. Oh, gosh, wow, yeah. No, that's a fantastic movie. I, I love that movie. That's one of those movies where I started watching it. Uh, and got like like an hour and 45 minutes into it and someone came into the room uh it was my sister it was my youngest sister uh, and she was like hey what's this and I'm, and I'm like this is warrior it's about these two brothers who are like fighting in like in the mma circuit and like they're at odds with each other and both estranged from their father and they're like on a collision course with one another it's so good do you want me to start it over so we can watch it together <laughs> yeah see my response would be uh it's a movie fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and then once i finished it okay now we can now we can discuss what it was and if you want to watch it with me i'll watch it a second time (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah i i really did dig it and uh that's only the second time i think i've done that the other instance where i i uh, I was watching something, got like 90 minutes into it and got a phone call from a friend who lived 30 miles away. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, dude, I'm watching Sunshine, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Uh, uh, and it's so good. Do you want to drive over here and I'll start it over? And we, Yeah, like I have not seen Sunshine. It's one of two Danny Boyle movies that I'm aware of that I have not seen. And um, and I'm a huge Killian Murphy fan. And yes. yet. I, I and I just somehow have never made it to watching it. Uh, it's it's really good, uh, and it's it's got a lot of I guess everything now kind of is like this. It's got a lot of like comic book faces uh, in it, uh, like uh, 
like the the guy who plays Scorpion uh, in the new Mortal Kombat movie uh, is in it. Oh, okay. Chris Evans uh, is in it, uh, and uh, you know, and Rose Byrne is in it. Who is not really? She hasn't really done like a comic book thing, but she was in Troy with Brad Pitt. And Rose Byrne has done comic books. She was in uh, X Men First Class. Rose, oh, she was. She was more. Was she? Yeah, she's Moira. Moira. Moira yeah. Oh, that's right. I completely, I completely forgot about her. Her beautiful, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love her. So this actually, I, I, I find this interesting that you're, you're saying that about Warrior and and you know Sunshine and such because when you came to mind to do the the Oscar show, I wasn't even sure you were into that kind of movies because Tangent 1985 is very niche uh, genre films. And yes. and I've and I've had friends before who that's their thing, and I, I think I even told you like back in the old days of the podcast, I approached a friend about doing it because I I loved his take on movies, and he was like, no, we do superhero movies and stuff. I don't do Oscar caliber movies. And you you not only jumped on the Oscar thing, but you watched more of the movies than I did. Um, I have more free time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I guess the the question is, what kind of movies are you into? What what is your jam as far as film goes? Um, it sounds like it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, it actually is. I I I I love all of it. My only criteria is that it be good, uh, and and even that's not really true because you can learn and get as much enjoyment out of a bad movie if you go into it with the right mindset as you sure. can good movie um uh franklin our editor uh, over at uh, tangent 1985 he uh he he did get on me uh at one point where he was just like uh can we do something other than <laughs> like blockbusters <laughs> <laughs> so uh at that time i mean like it's it's such a small channel and uh we're just trying to put things out there that we know kind of right. have a, a built-in interest so yeah like i i, I didn't come out of the gate swinging with like i don't know like the deer hunter <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean even though that's a fantastic movie and i i would i would love to talk about the deer hunter um i have yeah. not seen that one yet either oh that's that's wow that's that's a good rough watch uh yes i i'm i'm familiar with it i just haven't watched it uh, yeah go into that uh, like wait until you're in a really good mood to go into that because it will bring your mood down. If you go into it and you're feeling bad, you will kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, no, you, you got to kind of like hedge your bets on that one. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I also find interesting the timing of this. We we've actually talked about doing this movie and, and trying to time this episode out for several months it's true. Yes. Uh, and we just happened to finally be sitting down to record it the same week the trailer came out. Oh, yes. For Snake Eyes uh, G.I. Joe Origins. Yes. Which I didn't know was happening. Like, this caught me off guard. Right. And my initial reaction, not having seen the trailer, my initial reaction was the last time a franchise did Origins, we got Wolverine, and boy, that was a mistake. Exactly. So is this a good idea? And the trailer actually looks pretty good. It does. It looks cool. The only thing I don't really like about it uh, right now is the fact that we've already seen his face. <laughs> right. Like, like, like way to, way to blow it. Just, <laughs> just right out the gate guys. Um, yeah. I, I love that as bad as the live action GI Joe movies are, and we'll get to that. I'm oh yes, sure. we will. <laughs> um, as awful as those are, 
I applaud Ray Park, uh, who played Snake Eyes, uh, for just being like, yeah, just put me in the mask. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm cool. Like, no one needs to see my face. That's the whole point. But, uh, yeah. Oh, and I guarantee you Origins will, like, it will be his face up until the final act. Like, that will be, that's his origin is, like, now I have put on the mask and truly become Snake Eyes. And it's exactly. Like, that's, does, yeah. Do people really want to see that, though? Uh, it, it, well, some people do. Like, uh, like the people I went to to school with. I mean, this is right in their wheelhouse. I mean, they're the the buzz from them on social media. They're very excited uh, about this. I'm I'm very much in the same camp with you because yeah, the last time Origins was slapped to something, uh, it, it, it did not bode well. Right. Uh, and and also they they always overestimate. Uh, the interest uh, in these characters because yeah, Wolverine is kind of the most interesting guy you've got uh, really in, in the live action, in the live action X-Men movies. I mean, Mac Magneto. Yes. Um, they like, easily could have done an origins movie on Nightcrawler. Yeah, I agree. Um, I probably would have cast someone else. Uh, I mean, I, he did a good job, but I, yeah. <laughs> That's another, that's a story. For that's a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and I, I love Nightcrawler. Uh, I absolutely do. Me personally, I would have done a Nightcrawler and Colossus. Like, oh, hell just, yeah. Just like road trip movie. <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't watch that? Get Kitty Pride in there too. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Copyright 2021. Have not seen that. Pro- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that, that would have been great. But like, like there's not going to be a Cyclops Origins movie. No. Like no, no one's going to watch that. No. Uh, it, it's, uh, well, it's and 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 as we learned, nobody really cares about a Gene Gray movie, right? Because <laughs> they've tried person. to do it twice. <laughs> they have, yeah. Just, just I'm so angry about the X Men franchise just as a whole. I mean, Logan works incredibly well because it's nothing like any of the other ones. It strips just all of that stuff bare bones mm-hmm. uh, and that's why it works uh the wolverine is passable um yeah. uh x2 x-men united is the least offensive uh <laughs> i think uh i love i love first class I love my first class. son wanted to watch them and uh we watched x-men because he needed to see the original and also because now he gets to be a part of the joke of you know what what happens to a frog when it gets struck by lightning (laughs) um x2 i i still think is is kind of the pinnacle of the x the original x-men stuff we skipped x3 because fuck that movie that didn't happen (laughs) we did we did first class we did days of future past and i told him he's not old enough for logan yet (laughs) and the rest of the x-men movies just don't exist (laughs) no no, not at all and he's better off without like he'll live longer (laughs) right right. he'll live a fuller happier life without having seen those all right let's get back into uh our franchise as opposed to to that one although man maybe we'll have to do x-men some point um (laughs) when i did an episode already on transformers the movie and i i posited that my experience up to that point was people our age uh, growing up, you were a Transformers fan or you were a GI Joe fan. Uh, And of course my guest on that episode ruined my theory by saying he was both. Uh, uh, Where do you fall on that? I'm going to continue to ruin your theory. Um, I I was also both. I more, more than both. 
I was, I love Transformers. I love G.I. Joe. And I loved Mask, which was the merger of the two. <laughs> I loved the cartoon. I, I think I had like one of the toys. Oh, man. Yeah, I was I was a huge. See, it's, it's kind of funny. G.I. Joe uh, was my favorite of, 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 of those cartoons, um, but of the toys, it was Transformers. Like, like my cousin and I, like we would always do this when it came to action figures. Like he would get all the, the villains and I would get all the heroes and just double our chances of getting the entire collection. And we did that for years. We did that for like 12 years. Well, and that's and it's fascinating that you say that because I actually was going to bring that up in our in our conversation here, uh, you know, because I, the G.I. Joe cartoon was syndicated. It was not a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that we're recording this on a Saturday morning. Like it feels, uh, it feels so, but it wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon. It was a syndicated cartoon. It did not play in my market. Right. So the only way I saw the cartoon was I had some VHS like collections of them here or there. So I like, or I went to a friend's house. Yeah. I got into the comic books, which is a different story. Yes. Yeah. And had the toys, but my best friend uh, growing up, he and I would kind of coordinate. So like, when you think about G.I. Joe, all of the big characters that you think about, Flint, Lady J, Scarlet, he had those toys. Yeah, yeah. I had all the minor characters. <laughs> Break, Breaker, I had, I had Breaker. I had. I was going to say Mutt and Junkyard, yeah. Um, dial Tone. <laughs> I had Dial Tone. So, so I, find, I found it interesting watching this movie uh, uh, that we're going to get into in a second, because one of the criticisms that, that I have as well is that... All of your major characters are sidelined for this film. And what cracked me up the more I was watching it was, I know those characters, but those weren't the toys that I had. <laughs> <laughs> you felt underrepresented. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Before we get into the movie, the last question is, uh, um, the podcast is called Have Not Seen This. We talk about movies we ha you know, that we're surprised people have not seen. You've already mentioned two that I've put down on my list of have not seen. What are your have not seen this movies? What are the movies you have not seen that people give you a hard time about? Oh my gosh, this is going to be so embarrassing. Uh, well, that's kind of the point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to mortify me. Um, oh wow, yeah. Let, uh, let me uh, let me just go all in. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, okay. I, there is no end of flack uh, I catch for never having seen Lawrence of Arabia. I have pulled that up twice to watch it, like on streaming services, and then been like, looked at the length, and been <laughs> like, no, not today, not today. Okay. That's a movie I would call daunting. Yes. It's, run, it's runtime is daunting. It's intimidating. Um, uh, let's see. Um, what's what's another one? Uh, oh, now I'm having trouble. Like, because uh, like if you go down the, the AFI's top 100, like right. there's, there's so much stuff in there that I just I should have seen and I and I haven't. Um, uh, all quiet on all quiet on the Western Front. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen The Dirty Dozen. I've never seen, and I don't even understand how. <laughs> now, like that oh, one, I have good. seen. I finally got one on you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's, they're out there, uh, and I and I, I'm on film Twitter, uh, which is like the most a, a more wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> you're not likely to encounter on social media um it's it gets so just vitriolic uh it's a, a lot of gatekeeping a lot of just like if you say you love something the first comment is always you need to watch more movies like if you think this right. is so good that just proves you don't know anything 
Like, uh, it's yeah. And you could say it about anything, like Citizen Kane. I love Citizen Kane. Well, you need to watch more. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that the audience on uh, IMDb and uh, AFI have all cultivated this as one of the best movies of all time. Exactly. You, you need to watch more movies. <laughs> and, and those, it's funny. It's like these interesting tiers. Like those people are even worse. Like the people who tell you, like if you say you love Citizen Kane and they say you need to watch more movies, those people are just like, if you're not watching French film like pre-1960, <laughs> then you don't know anything about film. If you're not watching silent German impressionistic films, <laughs> like black and white films, you don't know anything about like your opinion is invalid. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into moving away from those kinds of movies. We are talking this week about G.I. Joe, the movie from 1987, written by Ron Friedman and Roger Silfer, directed by Don Jerwich, starring as credited... Don Johnson, Burgess Meredith, and Sergeant Slaughter. And that's all they credit in the opening credits. But let's extend that to also Michael Bell, Peter Cullen, Arthur Burghardt, Chris Lada, Dick Gaudier, Jennifer Darling, and Shuka Akune. Special Mission Force. Its purpose? To defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge cast. Uh, and but no, no, it only had three cast members, Don Johnson, Burgess Meredith and Sergeant Slaughter, which if so you funny. think about it. So you've got Don Johnson, who's doing Miami Vice. So he's like pop sensation. You got right. Burgess Meredith, who is like time honored, lauded actor. And you've got a pro wrestler. <laughs> and that's your cast. <laughs> a great pro wrestler, though. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Huge fan. Huge fan of the slaughter. Oh, yeah. No, that that's that's really funny. Um, there are so many parallels uh between GI Joe the movie and Transformers the movie, which is why I wanted to do this as like a companion piece to the Transformers the movie episode. Uh, so so many parallels. Uh, mostly because they were being produced at the exact same time. Right. Yeah, this was actually started production first, but then ran into production issues, which is why Transformers got the theatrical release first. And as we talked about in the Transformers episode, that impacted this movie. It did. Yes, it absolutely did. Do we want to talk about that? Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, G.I. Joe was was always for a slightly older audience, um, much like a year at most. Uh, So... Yeah, the idea going into that was just like, uh, you know, we're phasing out Generation One. We're phasing out the the old characters uh, to introduce these new characters again, just like Transformers the movie. Right. Uh, so, you know, you you can kill someone uh, if you if you want. Let's so like, and they were they were phasing out Duke. So like, let's kill Duke. Uh, and but like you said, yeah, uh, development issues came along and it got delayed. And Transformers came out first and. The death of Optimus Prime was a shot heard round the world. Uh, it traumatized our generation. <laughs> like, <laughs> turning cold and gray on a slab. Right. <laughs> it was it was so bad. And like kids did not react to that at 
like at all not, not, not react well to it anyway um so yeah yeah with the blowback from that they look at they looked at gi joe and they're like well we gotta fix this and he was already dead at that point right like like so it's like it's like adr like they resurrect him with three lines of adr well and the shame of it is you know, it, it, I I didn't care for Transformers the movie. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody who listened to that episode. I I didn't have the nostalgic uh, connection to it that that you apparently have. My guest that episode had. So I and it's not a bad movie. It just it, I didn't care for it. This movie, uh, I I have to have seen before because there were elements of it that I remembered. But as a whole, I'm sitting here watching it last night, going, I don't remember so much of this. Um. <laughs> I think Duke's death was handled so much better here. Like it was built up and it felt like, like Optimus's prime, his death is like, you know, snap, he's dead. Right. Yeah. And, and Duke's is actually built up and has this nice emotional moment that is then interrupted with, he's in a coma now. It's like, what? No, he just died. <laughs> yeah. I love that if you if you just mute the movie, right. <laughs> like right at that moment and cut out Scarlet's line, he's gone into a coma, then he gets to stay dead. And like, you can just have a different film. Mute it again at the end when Hawk says, man, Doc says Duke's come out of his coma. He's going to be A-OK. And everybody cheers. Just cut out that line and just... Yeah, yeah. Well, and you and you almost have to because the literally the last line of this movie does not make sense once they made the choice to keep Duke alive because yeah. he, he says, uh, you know, thanks, big brother, as if like Duke's ghost helped lead him <laughs> to this victory. And it's like, what? He's, he, we just were told he came out of his coma. He's better now. <laughs> Yeah, it really it really was that bad. Like they were I feel like they were like two seconds shy of just having like a superimposed image of Duke's ghost <laughs> in the sky. The Duke's end. force ghost. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. So so getting into the regular questions, uh, how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell someone who has not seen it uh, on seeing this movie? Uh, fever dream. Fever dream is the is the, the, <laughs> the term I would use. Um, actually, actually, no. Uh, I have to be honest. How would I? How would I recommend this? Uh, this I wouldn't believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is coming from someone who adores it. I probably watch this movie. Let's see. It's uh, it's May, uh, and I've probably watched this movie four times already this year. I watched I watch G.I. Joe the movie and Transformers the movie all the time. Uh because just just never forget. <laughs> never, never forget how amazing they are. Um, but they don't the movies do not care at all about whether or not you have a history with these characters. Right. Um, I would argue that Transformers the movie actually cares less than G.I. Joe the movie does about your connection to those characters because Transformers the movie like opens with i mean you've got a little bit with the decepticons there that you know uh and then there's this horrible slaughter of of characters you've known like your whole childhood right we immediately shift gears to a whole new group of people who do not get introductions just suddenly ultra magnus is there suddenly blur is there suddenly hot rod and cup are there these people in rc we've never seen these people before uh but here they are and we're supposed to just be okay with that gi <laughs> um, joe the movie cares a little bit more in that you get actual introductions to the rawhides 
they right. get their own scene uh, uh, where, where you kind of get an idea of what everybody's angle is. Um, you get introduced to uh, Slaughter's Marauders uh, or, or no, the Renegades, the Renegades, uh, uh, like right. uh, uh, Red Dog and Taurus uh, and Mercer, uh, those guys who are awesome. Like they get their own introductions. Uh, the entire civilization of Cobra La gets an amazing introduction. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the name. <laughs> we'll talk about the name. Later. It's just, no, it's their, it's their introduction. It's like, so when, again, you and I have been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, and, and so I did start watching the, the cartoon series. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, there are science fiction elements in there. But then you come to the movie and it's like G.I. Joe meets anime. Right. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, the threat. It's, so it, it completely removes it from the military uh, environment that G.I. Joe is supposed to be. Now, and again, in the in the animated series, they certainly step away from it somewhat, but they do try to keep it grounded a little bit more in that it is a, a military organization against a terrorist organization. And again, my background wasn't the animated series. My background was the comic books, and the comic books really stayed firmly in this is military. Yes, absolutely. That's Larry Hama uh, right. for you, who, yeah, who was uh, in the military. Like, I think he was like... like enemy ordinance disposal like uh was he he? yeah he's like uh, the character tunnel tunnel rat is based on uh larry hama uh, because that's what he did in the service uh just diffusing explosives uh and and things like that but Um, for me it's interesting because like in the comic books like you have roadblock and he is just this big badass dude yeah and in the cartoon he's rhyming Yeah, some of my favorite lines from anything ever, uh, where he's just like, I don't need to see clear to fracture your rear. <laughs> but no, that was that was my, my one comment though was you know that it is um uh, uh anime, like Cobra is assaulted by anime, is what I wrote down in my notes. That, that, that and that's where Cobra Law comes in, is it's it it doesn't even feel like it should be part of this same universe. I, I agree, and here's where it comes from. Um uh, Ron Friedman, uh, he, Ron Friedman negotiated the the greatest contract in the world, uh, which simply states he gets a written by credit, regardless of how little to something he contributes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like his name is all over this stuff. Uh, he's he's responsible for my my mostly my favorite episodes of G.I. Joe, which are the big five parters, because G.I. Joe used to play in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. Uh, so like, and, and there, there was no greater joy than coming home from school on Monday and turning on the TV. And it's part one of one right. of those amazing five parts. Cause you just, you just know you're in for it for the whole week, like right. the, the weather dominator and the pyramid of darkness, uh, and, and, uh, all that stuff. Ron Friedman was responsible for all of those, but it's difficult to say how much he actually contributed to any of these, uh, for G.I. Joe, the movie, all he did he created the character Nemesis Enforcer, the, the giant bat <laughs> Greek guy. Which, which is the stupidest <laughs> name, by the way. It's such a, it, it is a mouthful. Like they never shorten it. So every time no. it's like Nemesis Enforcer, get them. Right. No one ever just head, calls him Nemesis. Head out, Nemesis Enforcer. <laughs> just bloating that runtime, having to say his right. name. Right. Uh, yeah, he, that's the only thing Ron Freeman did. He created the character of Nemesis Enforcer. Uh, uh, but he still gets the soul written by credit. Buzz Dixon 
uh, is the writer of G.I. Joe the movie. He's he's credited as the story consultant, but he wrote the movie. Uh, and he, uh, he he's, also he's not out. listed at all on IMDb. <laughs> Because that's, that's where I that's where I pull my intro credits from. So I never mentioned him. So you want to give his name again? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's so terrible. What a oh man, throw my man under the bus like that. Uh, Buzz Dixon is an old hand uh, in the Marvel Sunbow uh, universe. Uh, he worked on Transformers uh, as well. Uh, he's the story consultant on GI Joe the movie. He wrote it. Uh, and he also, like Larry Hama, had a military background. He was in the military for six years. Uh, so he was brought in to ground the show <laughs> some uh, <laughs> how did we get the opposite of it here <laughs> um yeah it, it so yeah the, the the cartoon was before he came on uh it it was it was like much more fantastic but uh, he he did as a as a rule just kind of went in to inject more just got more protocol a little more uh of just just kind of like the the day to day, the ins and outs, uh, that kind of character stuff that I love uh, so much. Yeah, he doesn't get nearly enough credit uh, for it, sadly. Well, I, and let me jump into the critical review here. The movie sits at forty three percent at Rotten Tomatoes, which is not an incredible high score. Sixty six percent audience score. There's not really much reviews to pick from though, because uh, uh, due to its issues, like the the, the Optimus Prime and uh, death, Transformers the movie didn't perform well. The My Little Pony movie didn't perform well. So instead of getting a theatrical release, this went direct to video, right. um, and so a, as a result. Not a whole lot of critics took a look at it because it never got a theatrical release. So the 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 quote that I've pulled is from Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files that tells you where we're <laughs> where we are as far as like uh, quality of of critic here. Top tier, only only the best. <laughs> Right. Uh, and Lyles writes, like Transformers the movie, this features battles on a larger scale than the TV episodes could handle and comes across as much more important. Similarly, both lose some momentum once a lead character dies and is replaced by a not as likable new character. Pushing out the old to make way for the new was a common theme in the Joe slash Transformers miniseries, but that strategy felt a little too contrived for the movies, especially given how the old standard bearers are discarded. The final fight ignores the established rules of Cobra Law's supremacy over Joe forces, seemingly just because of the time... Uh, this time, the new blood is leading the charge. Beyond those gripes, this is a fun old-school cartoon movie done right, and one that even today's more sophisticated youth would enjoy just as much as an adult reveling in a wave of 80s nostalgia. Hmm. I bet that guy's so much fun to hang out with at parties. <laughs> First of all, I have a 12-year-old. Today's youth is not more sophisticated than we were. <laughs> But no, uh, he brings up the same thing that you did about the idea of pushing out the old to bring in the new. Now, a big part of that is toys. They want to sell toys, right? Yes. You know, they they wanted, and, and by introducing new characters, um, that meant new toys to sell. And I do, like most of these characters I don't remember. Again, I my, like it's weird what I remember from this that tells me I've seen it before, uh, like Cobra Commander devolving. Like I yes. remember that. So obviously I've seen this. I remember somewhat the Cobra Law guys, but I don't remember most of the new characters, but, but Jinx, who plays a little more prominently in this film, yep. We had her toy, my friend and I. I don't remember which one of us had it. We had her toy. Pretty sure we had Tunnel Rat. Yes, yes. But until I sat down to watch this, I did not remember Falcon at all. Um, you know, Falcon's an interesting character because he does not. It, is he? Is he really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
I, I, I love, I love Lieutenant Falcon, uh, honestly, because uh, outside of, outside of like shipwreck uh, and like Footloose, uh, you don't get a lot of Joes who are just kind of screw ups. Right. Uh, most of the Joes are like really good at their jobs, and and like and like Footloose. Uh, it's good at his job too, uh, uh, but uh, it's it's actually kind of funny. Uh, Buzz Dixon said that if he had been given the choice, GI Joe the movie just would have been about shipwreck on shore leave in Las Vegas. <laughs> and yes, I would have watched ninety minutes of that. <laughs> um, but no, Falcon. I love the this idea of this guy who clearly went into the military straight out of college uh which allowed him to skip all the kind of like grunt ranks for lack of a better term like he went straight to first lieutenant uh so he he technically outranks duke right uh so and and tries to pull that but it doesn't work for him (laughs) yeah uh it's i I, and that was a new dynamic like we hadn't really seen that before i i dig it man i like that he had a he had a little bit of an arc as, as as you know, if you want to call it that, uh, getting his act together, uh, mm. <laughs> going a service to his country, as Duke says, uh, which is such an absurd line. Uh, I, the, the funny, the funny thing about GI Joe to me, like it's it's titled in the cartoon, a real American hero. Right. Uh, it's it's so by design jingoistic, but uh, the the theme song aside, and the occasional line here and there, the show never felt like that to me uh like it it always it always felt like this is a group of people from all over the world working together on this one team uh it's uh it didn't feel like i mean yeah it's it's america's premier fighting force uh but it like it didn't just feel like america was the only country uh you know that you know that made it work it took everybody to make gi joe work i mean what as a child watching that cartoon I had never seen a more diverse cast in a cartoon before. That that was the first cartoon I ever saw that had more than one black character in it, and I and not like two black characters, like five, mm-hmm. uh, like Roadblock and Alpine and Doc and Stalker and Iceberg, uh, just like that's amazing. There were no black women for whatever reason. <laughs> what you want with that? Uh, well, and and I guess that 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 is something I wanted to talk about. So going even to the cartoon, like the first episode uh, of the the cartoon, there's uh, an issue raised by a an old school sailor uh, naval captain about not wanting Lady J on his ship. He does not want yes. women on his ship. Admiral Ledger. Yeah, was. and it fights that fight. So even in the late '80s, mid to mid to late '80s, it's it's bringing up kind of female equality and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, watching this movie. You have uh, a roadblock rhyming. You have uh, Falcon in desperate need of sexual harassment training. Oh my God! You yes. have the 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 offensive dreadnought accents, the portrayal of their British accents. So my question, and it, it almost sounds like your answer is automatically going to be no, because what you just said is, is GI Joe problematic in today's society? No. <laughs> no okay no i'm kidding i'm kidding uh yeah there there are definitely elements uh of that that have not aged well <laughs> um, the, the uh, sexual harassment the sexual predator thing was just like oh my god but you know but here's the thing here's the uh, here's the thing about the the sex i mean he literally slaps jinx on the ass uh and says the line 
want me to kiss it and make it better. Yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> you people get well, they should get discharged for stuff like that. They don't. Right. Uh, but um here's the thing: you can do that with Falcon because the movie never frames Falcon's behavior as admirable. Uh he he at that point in the story, he had not had, had his crisis moment uh and his, his and his turnaround. Uh okay. so yeah, you can. You can you can flaunt that kind of just like garbage toxic, uh, <laughs> and and for for in that respect, I think John Don Johnson was a perfect choice. <laughs> uh, what is, what is it? It's, it's interesting because this was done in the eighties, and Don Johnson has chosen to do that. And then what? Two years ago, we get him in Watchmen playing this character that you initially like, and then yeah. you realize he's got this legacy of white supremacy to him. Yeah. What what is it about Don? Johnson? Johnson that makes it okay to cast him as the villain. <laughs> exactly. He's just got that kind of face. <laughs> you just want to punch it. <laughs> I guess. Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's that's really funny. Um we're 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 like so far off the topic. I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Well, no, I was just I I had I literally had written down is GI Joe problematic. So it was a question I wanted to to raise, especially because I thought the the accents for the dreadnoks were were particularly bad. I I had written down um, that that some of the Asian accents seemed particularly uh, stereotyped as well, and then I looked, and it's actually Asian actors portraying those characters. Which kudos to GI Joe for doing that, because not a lot of cartoons in the eighties uh, took that step. Absolutely. Um, and well, hell, a lot a lot of cartoons nowadays do that, as we're seeing. How many <laughs> how many cartoons have? Uh, announced cast changes to have you know Asians playing a- Asians or black playing blacks or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and it's that's a that's such an interesting conversation to have uh, because I'm I'm of the mind that that yeah you if if it's a black character you you should get a black actor but at the same time there's a little part of me that's just like uh, this is also about like especially with voice actors this is also about range. Uh, this is about like what you can do, but but yeah, I think I think now I can put that behind me. Uh, yeah, cast black actors to play black characters, cast Asian actors uh, to play uh, Asian characters. Uh, just cast trans at the same at the same characters. time. I mean, Samurai Jack. Do you, you know you know and Phil voice, Lamar, Phil, Phil Lamar. Lamar, and it's yeah. like, would you yeah. really pass on Phil Lamar voicing that character? Exactly, like that's. <laughs> It's you know what that it's like Weird Al Yankovic like uh, some some musicians get offended when Weird Al does a cover uh, or does one of his parodies of their songs and I'm just like that's an honor <laughs> if, if Weird Al Yankovic chose one of your songs and did a parody of it you should feel damn privileged right uh, and and yeah yeah no Phil Lamar is not Asian but he is Phil Lamar uh, and he's. <laughs> Oh, very talented. Uh, that's it's a that's a tough needle to thread. Uh, it, it it really is. I will say something funny about the dreadnoks though. Uh, the the accents of the dreadnoks. Uh, that was based on the fact that Larry Hama, uh, who created them, ran, in his time in the military, ran afoul of some Australian soldiers, uh, and it like kind of like colored his his perception uh, of them so yeah the, the dreadnoughts are not ever they're not they're yeah it's 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 a little insulting i love oh, i i don't think it's bad that he he has them as these cockney uh or australian people 
Uh, I think it's bad that you have very clearly white American people doing the terrible Cockney slash Australian accents. It's so bad, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's riot though. I there, um, every great cartoon has that third party that basically would turn on the heroes or the villains, right. uh, just depending on whether or not there's enough money involved. Uh, and I always love that about the Dreadnoughts. Uh, the, uh, the introduction of Zartan and and his brood uh, was always just such a cool idea. Uh, just this this kind of rival force that's a, just as much a pain in Cobra's ass a lot of the times <laughs> as they are in G.I. Joe's. Uh, so yeah, I I never I never get enough. I would, I would read a, a Zartan of the Dreadnoughts comic. Just it's just them going everywhere, getting into trouble. I would love that. <laughs> All right. So some questions I, I, I had while I, while watching it that I wanted to throw p- past you. Uh, first of all, we open with Cobra getting a rocking theme song. And then I was like, oh, no, it's just an intro for the theme song that, you know, we're so familiar with. But it has the weirdest intro ever and an odd version of the theme song altogether anyway. If by weird you mean amazing. <laughs> <laughs> The tempo feels off. It's so great, though. It's okay. The uh, Originally, the idea for that opening credit sequence was that it was going to be the climax right. of, of an earlier draft uh, before, like, Cobra Law was a thing. Um, but they were there. It, it just ended up going in a different direction. Uh, so, like, yeah, just, just, make, just make this incredible opening title sequence and it's not even really a title sequence because the only title is gi joe right. uh, at the beginning and end um and it's I, so and it's because of the way it's put in the movie it's it feels so random the question I wrote down is do you think that gi joe just keeps like a platoon at all major american landmarks in case cobra decides that's where they need to strike now because there's like no lead-in it's just oh it's an attack on the statue of liberty and joe is already there yeah <laughs> i mean wouldn't you <laughs> like if you were if you were in charge of America's highly trained special missions force, uh, would you not just station them at, n- next to anything at all? That I, I, I would station them outside of Starbucks. I just I <laughs> put them everywhere. And Falcon would volunteer for that <laughs> that detail. Starbucks, yeah, that sounds right up my alley. Exactly. Um, I I love that the the opening. I I have gone on record before as saying the opening title sequence of G.I. Joe the movie is simultaneously the best opening title sequence of any animated thing I've ever seen, as well as the single best episode of G.I. Joe. (laughs) It's basically its own episode. It has a beginning and a middle and an ending. Well, and and especially if you watch uh, like the animated series, the first episode is, is a 22 minute long battle. Yes. And, and, I felt like, oh, they did that better here with the Statue of Liberty than they did in the animated series. Uh, it's it's so it's so cool, and I, I get pumped every. I, I have a friend uh, Ryan who posts every Fourth of July. He just posts the intro to GI Joe the movie on social media, and he's he's just like, it's that time again, just yo Joe. Uh. <laughs> it's so fantastic. Olivia, is that you? Oh 
my god, hi, how are you? Honestly, pretty bummed out. What about? I was just reading about how the US government hired Nazis after the Nuremberg trials. Oh my god, I know. Can you believe it? I'm kind of on a sad binge too. I <laughs> I stayed up late last night reading about the influenza pandemic of 1918. God, that was devastating. I think I know the book you're talking about too. It's on my list. I've just been really hooked on documentaries right now. Have you seen that Flat Earth documentary? No, no, but I did watch the Fire Festival documentary. It was it was insane. <laughs> Almost as insane as the fact that slavery is still legal in the US. I'm... I'm so... Is that a baseline? Hi, I'm Brooke. Are you someone that likes consuming media that feeds your wildest fears? No, no, wait. You Are you a consumer of the macabre and disturbing? You can't just drop something about slavery like we that. We talk all that and more on Things That Keep Me Up at Night, a podcast for those that like to commiserate and learn more about things that we promise will make you lose sleep. Um, uh, we're, uh, we're available on all platforms, and you can find us at TTKMeUp uh, on Instagram and Twitter. New uploads every Friday. Join in on the horror. You were kidding about the slavery thing, right? So, I will say, and again, you know, because I have done Transformers the movie... I, I do feel like this is a better product. Like Transformers, the movie had all these just arbitrarily weird rock songs thrown in that didn't necessarily <laughs> match the mood of the scene. You know, I mean, you have this weird rock song playing when Optimus Prime dies. And I felt like, and, and I was so worried when that Cobra Cobra thing started, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to be sitting through another one of these. And then it moved into, Oh, it is actually the GI Joe theme song. And then that was it for weird music which wasn't weird <laughs> uh it's it's such a menacing theme uh it's got like there's like a choir in the background yeah. like a cobra it's, yeah i love that but um transforms the movie uh it that was a conscious decision on their part where uh to, right. to the, the the music Vince it just wasn't a good one <laughs> <laughs> and that that's another one. i love i love the score uh, to Transformers the movie by Vince Ticola, who also right. scored Rocky Four. Like I, I, I thought it was very cool because it did signal just kind of this shift into a new generation uh, of Transformers. So the sound was different. The the that next season of Transformers took place like primarily in space, right. whereas the original season was mostly set on Earth with a, like a, you know a few trips to Cybertron, uh, you know here and there. GI Joe they kept the music uh, by John Douglas uh, from the original cartoon, uh, the, that, that kind of recycled music that plays in every episode. Uh, and I won't knock recycled music ever. I actually kind of love the idea of recycled music because it, it burrows into your brain and, and starts to live there. Uh, <laughs> and oh, and shout out to whoever that was that finally released the GI Joe soundtrack from the cartoon on LP. Uh, after me <laughs> demanding it for like 30 years. Well, and it's it, it, interesting that you, you bring up again the, the Transformers thing, because this was supposed to kind of do the same thing the Transformers movie did, which was set the stage for where the series was going next. So Transformers, you had the Caesar series, and then you had the movie that kind of got rid of Optimus Prime and introduced all these new characters, and then the series took that over with. And this was supposed to do the same thing. So, you know, it, it, like it, it, it kills off Duke, except for, as we said, it doesn't actually kill him off. Uh, the characters He's I knew... He's dead to me. He's dead right. to me. 
the characters I knew, like Flint and Lady J, they barely appear in this. Yeah. You know, they're they're just sidelined so that we get these these new groups, the uh uh rawhides. See, I don't have it on my head. I have to look at notes, the rawhides and the renegades and that kind of stuff. So it presumably that's where the series was going to go is rawhides, renegades, cobra law, all that kind of stuff. And then the third series season didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it ended up going to to DIC uh, right. or, or D, uh, however you're supposed to pronounce that. Uh, and I think the 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 only thing they really did to tie the movie to the the new season was uh, Cobra Commander did get his human body back. Uh, uh, which, and I, which isn't tying it into the movie. It's retconning a retcon. <laughs> 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 We're just going to pretend that whole thing that contradicted what happened in the animated series never happened. He was never a snake. <laughs> true enough. True enough. That's, oh my gosh, you want to talk about some of that stuff scarred me uh, as a child and, yep. uh, and Cobra Commander devolving. Uh, and I do love, though, the finally getting what let's go back to the very beginning when you say, how do I recommend this to somebody? And I say, right. I can't uh, because if you don't have a history with it, Anybody who grew up watching the cartoon always wondered what was behind the mask. Uh, and the movie rewards you by finally a like show. And it's just, and it's just a guy who looks exactly like Destro, who looks exactly like Dr. Mindbender, who, because they all had the same model, <laughs> because we have to make action figures off the same molds. Uh, but um, it's just this guy with a bunch of eyes uh, all over his his face, uh, disfigured by a laboratory accident, uh, and that was that's what was behind the helmet that whole time. And what a, what a great thing! What a great thing to give us as viewers, as as who who have just been there from minute one. But it contradicts what was shown in the animated series. It contradicts the the hood appearance of Cobra Commander as well. Oh. Not the not the 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 mirror mask but the right. hooded appearance showed him with normal eyes and now we see he's got snake eyes and oh and he not 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 snake eyes the ninja but who also <laughs> is pushed to the side let's also point that out yeah yeah but yeah so it it is a nice thing to finally reveal what's under the mask but at the same time i felt like it, it retconned his whole story and contradicted what we had seen my my take on that is just I, I feel like he does like Batman does in the live action Batman movies. It's just it's makeup. He just puts makeup around the eyes before he puts the hood on. <laughs> like like these are it's so funny. I I do not have the ability to be objective about that's fine about this movie about Transformers movie about GI Joe movie. I just I love it too much that I am willingly just willfully blind <laughs> to the things that are wrong with it oh and i'm sure if you had been watching it with me like if we had watched it virtually together or we had been in the same room i would have annoyed you <laughs> i would have driven you nuts because like i'm watching it and like so many of these notes that i look down is like general hawk says can't understand how falcon got there in the first place and i was like um who decides these things then you're the general <laughs> You know, you had you had earlier in the movie, you had Zarana uh, uh, sneak in. And then later on in the movie, you have Baroness sneak in. And it's like, do you guys not vet any of the guests on your basis? Exactly. It's, it's like the, it's like Arkham Asylum. Uh, it's just it's a revolving door of people just coming and going. The, there's no security of any kind. And and then. They when they get Falcon, there were there are two things towards the end of the movie that really stood out to me. I think I, I think you would have like just reached over and throttled me at this point. <laughs> when you have they capture Falcon, Sepentor is literally 
bitch slapping Falcon to try to get him to talk. Yeah. It's not punching. They're not shooting. They're not zapping. It's literally bitch slapping it's him. Working him. <laughs> it's like, really? Who animated this? And then they have the line, die arrogant earth scum. <laughs> And I'm like, wait a minute, Cobra Law is like prehistoric, goes all the way back to that. Why are you talking like you're aliens now, die arrogant earth scum? You're of the earth, literally. (laughs) I assume he means surface, surface world. (laughs) I don't know. There's... there are, uh, it's funny because because Buzz Dixon would he would agree with you he would say the same thing uh, he was like there there are lines in it that are that are quite good uh, and then there are there are lines <laughs> that just don't work but I I will say uh, for the dialogue I am I'm such a fan of that kind of it, it's it's in Transformers movie too uh, every line is a one liner essentially like it's just. Uh, Anything happens and somebody's got to quit. Somebody's got to joke. Uh, so, and, and and I love that. I eat that up. Never get tired of it. My only real criticism with the dialogue, and, and I understand why they do it, because again, their goal is to sell toys, is the amount of times they are naming whoever it is they are talking to. And, and I get the reason they need to do that, Mel, is so <laughs> that Mel... Kids will go out and buy the Mel toy because they've heard the name Mel so many times, you know? So it's like, I, I get why they're doing that. Yes, but definitely. it was it was like, I don't know, some writer, and I don't remember which writer it was, brought that to my attention a couple of years ago, how often that happens on TV where characters continually addressing the other person and how little we actually do that in life. Uh, yes, yeah. No, it's absolutely true. Uh, the, uh, it's, it's kind of, I, like, I'm the 80s the highly deregulated 80s uh, <laughs> thanks to reagan uh that was that was like simultaneously the best and worst time to grow up uh because even as a child yeah i understood i understood the point was to sell me these toys uh but at the same time that wasn't all it meant to me that wasn't all it was like i with the toys like you know i i continue the adventures like beyond the show uh right uh, and 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 as a writer as somebody who writes cartoons uh and comics i i still do that i whenever i write i'm still playing with my action figures uh at at the counter at my grandma's house but Uh, but i guess that's why the cobra law thing rubbed me the wrong way so much and that's why i made the comment about it being like invasion of anime because when i played with the toys it was continuing that this is military. It was continuing uh, much more terrestrial, mundane, uh, um, subterfuge and conspiracy and that kind of thing. It wasn't like, oh, here comes an army of pods that are going to release spores in the air type <laughs> stuff. That's a wild idea. It's like, let's, you know, here's Cobra so Snake Eyes can beat up on them, not here's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man type thing, you know? <laughs> I, I certainly understand that. I certainly get that. Uh, it's I, the funniest thing about uh, Cobra Law to me, uh, because like a lot of cartoons will do this. A lot of cartoons will give you uh, a person who you think is the villain, the main villain, the leader of the bad guys for the entire time, only to later discover that that guy had a master. Uh, right. like, like Skeletor had Hordak uh, and uh, like 
I think Mum Ra had like some weird like ancient dudes uh, like he answered to in Thundercats. I I don't know, but like but like that's that kind of thing like keeps coming up. Uh, so yeah, the idea that that Cobra Commander would end up answering to Sarpentor and Sarpentor would then end up answering to someone on top of that. Uh, I do appreciate that as an explanation of how Cobra has been getting financing <laughs> this entire time. That's pretty good. <laughs> Basically having a sovereign civilization bankroll you <laughs> under the table. Uh, that That's smart. That's good business sense. But I, I just, I, I think all they really wanted with Cobra Law was we never got to make a monster movie yeah with gi joe and here's our chance that's uh, that's fair yeah they they went they dialed it all the way up to 11 uh it's some of the the shit that happens in the third act of that film, it's some of the craziest <laughs> okay like there's there's like a giant there's a moment when a and what did this look like in the script there's a moment when the giant slug like a slug the size of a city bus eats tunnel rat right and Total Rat blows it up from the inside. And when right. he runs through the hole, he just runs into the camera and he's laughing like a madman. He is. Yes. <laughs> it's like that that guy might have a little, he might have a little PTSD. <laughs> the bridge that they're crossing suddenly is revealed to be a giant praying mantis-like insect. Like what the, how do you fight that? I, exactly. That's, I, I, it's wild. It's very against the, the kind of the status quo, uh, right. which honestly, I think is why it works so well for me. Well, uh, and it's, and it's hyper, it's, it's, it's hypocritical of me to, to bring that up as a problem because like, I love it when, when writers uh, and creators smash genres like that, like cowboys and aliens. Hell yeah. Like yeah. that's an awesome idea. So what is wrong? Why do I resist uh, elite military organizations suddenly uh, encountering anime type stuff. I, I don't know. Um, it's interesting to me that the comic, though, um, not so much the the original like 155 uh, uh, issues uh, by Larhama, uh, but the comics did reach a place because the, the license kept changing hands. Right. Like like every few years, the license would change hands. Uh, the comics would get into some weird stuff too. Like at one point, there were like cobra animal soldiers like they had done experiments and made i like, vaguely yeah, remember was, that like that but that was that was like we were in our 20s by then because i remember that because I, my first real job was toys r us like i was there for five years or so and seeing a lot of like the gi what gi joe was doing when i was putting toys on the shelves going what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh man i yeah, i never got that many of the like like i said i was always a transformers toy collector uh but and not not a gi joe toy collector uh mostly because the figures were to scale mm -hmm. uh as uh as re regards to the vehicles so like an action figure is like yay tall but the jet that comes with the action figure is like three feet long right, it's right. Accurate. and there just wasn't enough room in the house oh I, I loved it i had uh like I, I mean that was part of my fun of watching this movie was like oh i had that toy i had the gi joe base yeah i yeah. had the the, yeah. the the terror drome i had yes. you know the, the this tank and i had this thing and i i had serpentor I had, he came with the chariot 
you want to talk about a ridiculous character design? <laughs> while, yes. While we're at it. How many how many snakes does he have around his shoulders that he can keep pulling them, turning them into spears? Because exactly. that's how snakes work. And <laughs> and another one instantly reappears. That's just biology. That's oh just- yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, time to start getting into final thoughts here. I'm going to ask you in a second. You know what what else we haven't talked about? I had one more thing in my notes. I wanted to make sure we talked about, which was Sergeant Slaughter. This this should have been like a gimmicky, oh, he's a military-based character, and so they made an action figure of him, hardy har har. Yeah, right. And yeah. instead, he is in the animated series, he yep. is a big part of the movie. When the movie was broadcast on TV, uh, it was split into minor po- you know, smaller parts mm-hmm. and with episodes essentially that were then introduced by Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. Yes. How the heck did this like did they forget it was a joke or <laughs> <laughs> that's see the, the, the funny thing about that is like my fate, my favorite kind of story, honestly, is something that is inherently in its bones, ludicrous, but everyone in the story takes it seriously. Well, I, I suddenly understand your appreciation of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's bonkers. It's, yeah. All of it is bonkers, but to the characters in the story, it's it's real. It's happening. Mm-hmm. They take the danger seriously, which therefore allows me to take the danger seriously. Uh, yeah, I I love I love the idea of, of Sergeant Slaughter uh, as this because I mean, but he well, does wrestling moves to take down uh, Nemesis Enforcer. He does, and it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those movies where I like I could go through every single line of dialogue. It's just I know it like the back of my hand. Uh, it's it's it takes up so much real estate in my brain that it, <laughs> it pushes out information that like multiplication tables, state capitals. It like pushes all of that stuff out. Mel didn't do his taxes last year, but he can recite the speech in GI Joe the movie. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely, every one of them. Uh, <laughs> All right. What what do you want to make sure we get in? What have we not talked about about this movie that you want to make sure we talk about? Uh, wow. Uh, uh, just how much of an how much of an inspiration uh, it was and continues to be for me. Um, we're living in this kind of amazing time now. Uh, you know, COVID and gas shortages aside, um, you know, assaults on the Capitol aside, uh, we're living in this time. GI where- Joe would have put an end to that shit. Oh, oh, oh! You know it. <laughs> I don't even want to hear about it. Um, you would. You have to call them in they'd have just been there like they'd have just been there at the capitol jetpacks <laughs> and everything laser guns and on all of it they would have been ready i oh god i love the idea of it i love and I, and I love the idea of cobra because it's just like this it's it's not terrorists from a country it's it's a group of terrorists that hate everyone which allows all of us on earth to band together against them I love that's a it's it's a this is gonna sound absurd. It's a it's a show about brotherhood. Uh it just it it is. Uh no, that doesn't sound absurd at all. It's just we're we're stronger together. You've heard me say this before. Uh uh it's it's just something I believe. Uh we're we're stronger together, and G.I. Joe is that. Bring your best together from wherever you find them, because greatness exists everywhere. 
bring them all together. Uh, and and yeah, when you got the best of the best together, you got to have the best drill sergeant ever. So Sergeant Slaughter is your man. Ar- Arlie Ermey was still alive in 1987. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly some inspiration there. All right, let's get into our end game here. Uh, first up, we have the algorithm says... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> boy, I, I, we're going to go another hour just on these games. So the, the, the algorithm says is supposed to be a lightning round, <laughs> uh, your reactions to movies that various algorithms say you will like because you like GI Joe, the movie. So, oh, okay. you, you, but I know, I know it's not going to be lightning round because I know what the first two movies on this list are. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try to keep it lightning round, but, uh, first up. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Oh, my God. The balls on these people. Balls that big are usually only seen in caves rolling after Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, I, uh, no. No. God. No. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I remember seeing Rise of Cobra in the theater with my, with a, I, I think my, my ex-wife, at, uh, who obviously wasn't an ex at the time, and, and my dad, and coming out of the theater and my dad being like, that was a lot of fun. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't have the right frame of reference for this movie. It was terrible. Oh my God. It's so bad. It's And I, I also, what I loathe most about Rise of Cobra uh one, it's it's grossly insincere. Uh, it just, unlike the cartoon, it lacks any and all sincerity with the handling of the characters. Uh, the the suits, the, like, it's not like Transformers where to create a Transformer in live action costs millions of dollars. It, a live action G.I. Joe movie, just put some camo on that guy and send him out there. <laughs> put a beret on that dude and some boots and you're done. No, no, no. This is G.I. Joe. Put him in a, a red football jersey in the middle <laughs> of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> seeing seeing Dusty in the snow environment in the movie broke right. my brain. Like, you do not belong there. <laughs> why, yeah, why would you Why would you send Dusty? I love that not only did they send Dusty, they sent his awe striker, the Jeep. Why would you send an open canopy Jeep to the Himalayas? <laughs> All right, uh, next up, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Oh, God, still, still so bad. Um, here's, here's the thing about G.I. Joe Retaliation. It's actually a marginally better film. Than oh, G- I don't think marginal. I think it's a dramatically better film. <laughs> um, it's, I don't, I didn't need Bruce Willis in there as Joe Colton, uh, as the original G.I. Joe. Uh, I did not, I didn't need that. Um, but I did like that that clearly some love of the source material was on display in retaliation. Agreed. Uh, uh, Cobra commander in that, in the outfit uh, and firefly who uh, played play by Arnold Vosloo. I think it was. Yes. Uh, yeah. And they, and they got, that was pretty good. That was pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, uh, so yeah, yeah. I like, I like that. Um, I'm trying to remember the explanation for how storm shadow was able to come back because I recall, didn't he get cut in half? Didn't he get cut in two at the end of rise of Cobra? I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. I, I thought he did. Maybe I'm confusing him with, uh, with Darth Maul because that was Ray Park. too. <laughs> <laughs> Six degrees of Ray Park. 
<laughs> but right. yeah, no, no to G.I. Joe Retaliation. Fuck that movie. No. I, I liked it better than Rise of Cobra. One of the reviews I didn't pull talked about how uh, Duke in this animated suit was still better than Duke in a Channing Tatum suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, G.I. Joe Spy Troops the movie. I don't even know what that is. What? what it's is one of the that? later incarnations of G.I. Joe, I think. Okay, so so for that I couldn't say, having not seen or even heard of that, I, I right. couldn't say that that might be good. Maybe I would say give it a try. Uh, good luck. Okay, Transformers the movie. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Five stars across the board, one hundred percent. Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Uh, the original. Yes. Uh, I would say, like I get it. But I think if you were if you were a big fan of G.I. Joe uh, of the cartoon and the, the animated movie growing up, you would you would gravitate to the new Netflix Voltron. Uh, okay. you, you would that that's more in line um, because it's like, like I was saying earlier, we're, we're in this time now where, where the, the people who were kids watching G.I. Joe are now the adults making these shows. Uh, and and all those kind of lessons from the cartoons, they're paying them forward. Uh, the new the new one, Voltron Legendary Defender, uh, is is very very reminiscent of Generation Two Transformers. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I say Generation Two, that's not technically it, but Transformers the movie generation. Right. Uh, it's yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think that one is more in line uh, okay. than the original. Challenge of the GoBots. No. <laughs> <laughs> no no i hate them i hate the gobots they have a character in that show named psy kill guess what he transforms into <laughs> i think that's the gobot toy i had that i talked about back in our transformers episode uh okay uh silverhawks uh yes yeah uh that's that's a good one i didn't get to watch nearly enough of that uh as a kid because it just wasn't in it wasn't in my time zone. Right. Uh, like the, the, the channel that played that we didn't have. Uh, so, so that, I had, to, I came to that like much later, but yeah, no. So anytime you got like a, like a team of specialized people getting together, uh, going, <laughs> going against a, a big evil. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's going to be some, some common ground there. Certainly. Okay. Visionaries Knights of the magical light. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I had doubt. totally forgotten about these guys until I was putting together this list. Oh my god, I love Visionary so much. Funny here, here's a little bit of trivia. Uh, Flint Dillay, uh, who wrote for the GI Joe cartoon, uh, created Visionaries. Uh, oh, okay. So he he came off of GI Joe and, and did Visionaries. Um, so yeah, it's got all everything I loved about GI Joe and Transformers is alive in visionaries because it's just the <laughs> same it's the same people doing what they're great at uh i wish it had run for more than one season it only got one 13 episode season but it's it's such a marvelous show i had all those toys but it was it was another one of those that was done to sell toys and i and i bought all of them i bought every <laughs> one of them <laughs> All right, uh, Spider Man and his amazing friends. Uh, yes, again, uh, because that's that's still that's Marvel Sunbow. It's all the same people. Uh, it's even music by the same guy, John Douglas. Uh, it's there. It's funny. There are pieces of music that appear in all of those cartoons. Uh, like there's oh, 
the like the disco music from Spider-Man and his amazing friends appears in both Transformers and in G.I. Joe. And it's always, <laughs> it's always a treat whenever it shows up. Um, yeah, Spider-Man and his amazing friends was awesome. That was my introduction to the X-Men before I knew anything about Mine too. Uh, that, yeah, no, that's, that's a Have fun you tr- revisited it since it came out on Disney Plus to just to see how it holds up versus your memory? Because uh, I, I have, have not yet. I, I have and not great. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I will say they've got a they've got a couple of episodes in there where the animation uh is is pretty stellar uh for for like a low budget TV kind of show. Um most notably the episode where Firestar and Iceman go to the X Mansion and you you're you're introduced to the X-Men and right. Wolverine has an Australian accent for some reason. See, that's <laughs> if any of them, if I'm going to watch any of them, that's the one I'm going to put on because that's the one I remember. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's a good episode. But, uh, Juggernaut shows up in that episode and the animation is pretty, uh, is pretty good. Uh, so I remember that fondly. And, and they, they, they kept like pulling in people from, uh, from the Marvel universe. So right. even if you didn't have a lot of like background there, it was, it was cool to see like, like Iron Man, it turns out Tony Stark was like financing the super friends um, or uh, Spider-Man is amazing friends. Uh, he was like financing bankrolling their pad because oh. they had like, you could like, I think it's like you, you moved a statue. Yes. Or, you slid a, a statue over and the table and turned over to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last love one. It. Love it. <laughs> last one. The real ghostbusters. I already said 100% five stars, six stars, 200%. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, re- the real ghostbusters remains one of the greatest American cartoons ever made the the writing was incredibly sophisticated uh for do, kids. do you know so, who wrote on that that was j michael straczynski it was one yeah. of my all-time favorite entertainment writers absolutely having having a, a head-to-head battle with one of my all-time favorite writers michael reeves uh it seemed uh yeah. just episode after episode to see who could just traumatize children the most uh <laughs> They, they cranked out such remarkable work for that cartoon. Yes. Uh, and, I have uh, the entire series on DVD. Same. I, I got the I got the set, the 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 uh firehouse set. Yes. Yeah. Had all those toys too. <laughs> I had a few of them, yeah. All right. We always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the uh movie. Are you ready? Oh god, time to embarrass myself. All right. Uh, Some of these I've been like, I had to bite my tongue earlier in the episode because you were hitting on stuff that was like, oh, I really want to go down this road to discuss this, but then I'm going to give away the pop quiz, especially this first one. Uh, Number one, G.I. Joe being a real American hero doesn't play well overseas, requiring both the franchise and the movie to be delivered under a different title in other countries. What is this elite fighting force known as outside of the U.S.? Oh, gosh. G.I. Elite, B, Action Force, C, Epic Force, or D, Mongoose? <laughs> I wish it was I wish it was D. Um, oh, no, uh, Action Force. It is Action... Oh, I forgot my bell! Ah. Oh, no! It is Action Force. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you watch, you can find it on YouTube. I watched it this morning. The opening scene of G.I. Joe the movie as Action Force the movie, the music's much better. <laughs> It doesn't have the Cobra parts. It just is action force and it fits the meter of the music so much better. Well, that is subjective. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number two in the movie, Lieutenant Falcon is the half brother of Duke, but that wasn't the original familial connection between the new character and existing Joes. What was Falcon's relationship in previous drafts of the script? A Scarlet's fiance. 
B, Flint's twin brother, C, General Hawk's son, or D, Lady J's father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate? <laughs> um, I, I, the funny thing is, I wish, I wish he had been Flint's brother because they, <laughs> they, they have the same character design. <laughs> right. Um, uh, no, he was Hawk's son. He was Hawk's son. Yes, yeah. That's why I had to throw the, the the Flint's twin brother in there. Like, yes, they're they're the same character model. Same guy. <laughs> uh, number three, as originally written, one scene made Hasbro executives nervous that the movie may end up with a PG thirteen rating, leading to a change. What was originally planned? A. Duke's death was much more gruesome. B, Cobra Commander's transformation into a snake was more graphic. C, Zorana was topless as she changed from her disguise into her normal halter top. Or D, two words, Cobra La Hentai. <laughs> it got so close. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh... It's it's uh it's the it's the Zorana being naked. It uh, is yes. She was originally topless as that scene was written, and they threw her into a bathing suit in order to avoid a PG thirteen rating. Which, which is ridiculous because who needs that? Like who <laughs> who needs to, to see naked Zorana? <laughs> who needs to see Cobra La Hentai? That's what I would say. <laughs> All right, uh, and last question. Obviously, the movie was intended to sell new toys. Surprisingly, one of the new characters didn't see action figure treatment until 2016. Who was it? A. Pythona. B. Nemesis Enforcer. C. Chuckles. Or D. Galobulus. Uh, Pythona. It was Pythona. Yes, which I think uh, uh, continues uh, the idea that girls' action figures don't sell, which. You know, I, I think they've been proven over time is wrong. Right. Yeah. But they obviously had that idea back in the, the 80s, so they didn't even try to make that figure, despite the fact that she has more screen time, um, definitely more screen time than Nemesis Enforcer, and I'd say more screen time than most of the other new characters. It, absolutely. No, I agree. And I've, as someone who collected the toys from as much stuff as I could, I was always furious as a child, as a heterosexual boy, <laughs> you know, playing with action figures, I was always furious that the female characters were rarely sold. Uh, yeah. In other, uh, there there was never a Gloria Baker or a Vanessa Warfield figure from Mask. Uh, there was never a Viralina or a Galadriel figure uh, uh, from uh, from Visionaries. Uh, yeah, the Pythona figure. It, and I'm just like, put them out there. Put the I want all of them. If they're in the cartoon, mm -hmm. I want the action figure. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, what do you want to promote? Oh, man. Um, I am on Twitter at Tangent1985, uh, where every once in a while I complain about whatever I'm watching uh, at the time. I think I'm going to go watch that new Zack Snyder Army of the Dead thing, and I'll probably do some bitching about that. Once you're you're going to bitch about two and a half hour runtime before you even start watching it. That's the trend on Twitter right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half hours is long for a zombie film. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, NP, I think it was NPR said they wanted it to receive the reverse Zack Snyder cut. Give us the non-Snyder cut first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. Oh, definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter and on YouTube. I am at uh, the Tangent 1985 channel, uh, where we do deep dives uh, into some of our favorite films, mostly blockbusters. Sorry, Franklin, our editor. <laughs> Um, and we also have uh, other series where uh, we'll spotlight one great scene uh, from a particular movie and break it down. Um, we do a series called Best of the Rest, where we spotlight uh, a director who only had one great film uh, and no other good ones. Uh, so, yeah, we got, a, we got a few different series going on in that channel. Uh, yeah. I'd love to put out another. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate it. And I think I think something you said right there at the end may have completely. I mean, and not that I didn't like this movie. It's it's not going to be one of my all time favorites. Uh, but I like what you the comment you made there at the end because I, I liked GI Joe as a kid. As I said, I got I was I was a toy collector for this. I got into the comics, but the idea of of inclusion. Uh, you know, I watch the movie and I go, is G.I. Joe problematic? And you're watching it and you're seeing it from completely different eyes. And I really appreciate that perspective. Like that, that's why I love talking about film and stories with other people, because that's not how I saw it. But when you bring it up, it, it makes so much sense that it's like, well, why didn't I see it that way? I mean, no harm, no foul. Uh, this, <laughs> this is the beauty of, of of talking to other people. It's it's almost like we're different. <laughs> oh, <God>. really? <laughs> Two separate entities. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I I'm glad. I, I'm glad that that uh, allows you to 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 see that. And yeah, and I truth be told, aside from the the blatant sexual harassment, uh, I I hadn't really considered uh, the the more problematic aspects of it. Uh, I was to in my head about blue lasers versus red lasers. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about G.I. Joe the movie, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, on Twitter and Letterboxd, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook, we're at Have Not Seen This Podcast, or email me at have not seen this at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Mel Gore for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsh, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other. <laughs>